we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? Good. All right. Very good. Seventh Son Part 2. Seventh Son Part 2. Fantastic. Yeah. Part 2 of our seven part. Of <laughs> our seven, 17 part. Yeah. 77 part. <laughs> now, um, yeah, probably no. two of three. Hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll, I think we'll... big albums like this one, Power yeah. Slave, they take... Did we do three on Power Slave? We did three on Power Slave. Wow. Three-parter. But... You know, like a matter of life and death, only two. Yeah, I know. We're gonna do part three. A matter of, <laughs> we can do bonus part. Well, they take what they take, right? We start talking. They yeah, take what they take. There's right? also more primary um, sources on it, right? Like, there's no biography about a matter of life and death. Yeah, that's not true yet. Too. Yeah. So there's there's my justification because <laughs> we don't we've always in this podcast talked yeah. about the value of the new albums. We don't want to uh, undersell them. That's right. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, there's a lot of focus on these classic Maiden albums, and that's why I think they take more time to go through. And now we're dangerously close. Dangerously close dangerously to our trip. Dangerously close to our trip to the concert. That's true. I know. I listened to uh, that Kill Switch Engage. Remember I told you I made yeah, a podcast? You mentioned it last, I mean, I uh, last a, podcast. Yeah, Yeah, I made a playlist of Kill Switch Engage yeah. based on Trying to get list. into them. Not going to happen, man. Not going to happen. I gave it another shot there at work one day, and I was just like, I can't. I can't yeah. do it. I don't know. It's not my thing, man. I'm glad that I I do want to see them do their cover of Holy Diver because I love Dio. Okay. But uh, yeah, you mentioned that last time. I, yeah. I thought that's interesting, and I'm I'm into it. And that they got that stuck in my head. I have a feeling they're doing that cover of Dio to close their opening set because they're like they kind of realize the age of the people that are watching Maiden, and they're yeah. like, let's throw them a bone, something they're going to yeah. recognize that has a melody to it. <laughs> hey, Dad, what 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 are they like? <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. Oh God. Who would be your ideal opener? Oh, geez. Uh, well, I saw when I saw them. Yeah. I mentioned last podcast when I saw them in 2012, Alice Cooper. Yeah. You, like, I think yeah. that's a great, especially the for like Maiden's, England, yeah. Maiden's uh, audience. Yeah. That fits right in there. For like new bands, uh, a great one would be Greta Van Fleet. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because they sound very, they have that super classic Zeppelin-y yep. kind of feel to them. But they are a brand new band, so they're a new band which appeal to the new, the younger people. But they have an old sound to appeal to the old people. That'd be a perfect matchup with me for Maiden, I think. Yeah. Or uh, from the newer bands like Mastodon, Red Fang, I think would be great. Yeah. Danzig is playing the, in London the same week that we're going to be in Manchester, so we're going to miss them because we're like the way that our, our trip is planned out with the Manchester and the London concerts, we're not going to be able to catch Danzig. Yeah. I can't imagine. I'd lose my mind if Danzig was opening for Maiden. That'd be such a great. Oh my god! <laughs> I just love Danzig. Well, you'd be all exhausted from your Danzig uh, yeah. <laughs> workout. Or you know who'd be a perfect opener? They've been on our podcast. Uh, friend of the podcast, Night Demon. Yes, Night Demon, man, they're the perfect opener for for Maiden. They have like that classic rock sound, that new wave of British heavy metal sound. Yeah. Imagine I'm going to play one of their songs. Imagine this as the opener for Iron Maiden.
So yeah, Night Demon would be great. That would so, be amazing. I'm assuming it's fun to play that whole song. We had Jarvis on the podcast, and he told us we could play that whole song. So no, fair enough. <laughs> and and we couldn't help but get a plug in for them as well. Yeah. Um. And we've got our vinyl pre-recorded, or or, or sorry, pre-ordered. Right. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So Night Demon has this new album out called Live Darkness. It's a triple vinyl. Yeah. So me and Josh both pre-ordered the triple LP in the, the transparent red smoke vinyl. Deadly. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's on the way. Yeah. So we got that. Where did we get that? The Night Demon website? Um. Yes. Yeah, we that's right. From, uh, I can't remember. It yeah, go check it out. Orders. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Yeah. The vinyl, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it sounds amazing. There's a clip online, too. Listen to this. Yeah. People are probably sick of us uh, playing so much Night Demon on the on the podcast, but like they're amazing, man. They're such a good band. They're exactly like right up my alley yeah. as far as what I'm into for music, and yeah. I think they would be a perfect opener for me. Yeah, well, actually, I think it's an avenue for us to get people into into new bands. But I mean, I've gotten some feedback from people. Um, local guy here is a guitar teacher who who didn't know about Night Demon until yeah. we talked to him about it. And then and he listens, and now he's like a huge Night Demon yeah. fan. I've got so six, I, I yeah. was actually like, you know, I know Jarvis, and he was like blown away. Yeah. And I was like, We've got like uh, six or seven email. emails through the website, yeah. through TalkingMaiden.com. Does that form there where you can contact yeah. us? We've had six or seven emails of people talking about that Night Demon episode. Yeah. And the listens on our Night Demon episode are like... Crazy. Yeah, that's well, our highest listened episode. People, and in fairness, um, in fairness, they also came to us through a listener, right? That's true. River. Yeah. yeah. So I love it, and you know what? We need to be pumping more uh, bands, even though it's a Maiden podcast. He's they're so in the genre. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm totally another, comfortable yeah. with that. If I find another yeah. band that really had that feel yeah. to it, I'd talk with them just as much too. But let's be honest, they would be an awesome opener for Maiden. And yeah. look, everything I said about Nottingham, if they were playing, I would be in there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd pace myself. I'd take like I'd get some Ritalin or something. <laughs> just let's, kidding. <laughs> let's get a beer. On Don't the do go. drugs, kids. Just yeah. beer drugs. By the way, in case. Uh, you didn't hear last podcast. Josh is ba- uh, cat sitting for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, the cat's got you thrown off. There's got to be some old man joke there, which I'm not going to touch. <laughs> All right, a beer. So what do we have here from the what's that? Brabrandere, Brabrandere. I don't know what that is. Brewery Brabandere. Brabandere. So this is a microbrewery from West Vlaanderen, Belgium. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do not spend your time worrying about those. Wasted beers! Um, 1894, Oaks and Hops, a limited edition. Right, so I'll read you a description, because I actually looked this up. This is like, I have high hopes for this. This might be the best beer we've had on the podcast. It says, 1894 is especially brewed for the 120th anniversary of the brewery. This anniversary beer is a courageous combination of a highly aromatic hopped triple and a tremendously refreshing sour beer aged in oak with a full re-fermentation in the bottle. 
So this should be pretty cool. Wow. So and it's got a cork. nice it's got, got a nice cork. Yeah. Because... Watch out. Oh, cool. cool. Oh, wow. Little champers here. So right. I have high hopes for this one. What was that beer we had that time that came like wrapped in a foil, uh, wrapped in a, do you remember that one? That you used to get the, it was, it was Belgian as well. You, they used to come wrapped. Remember the purple wrap? Oh, I know one? the one. It's uh yeah. Yeah. That one's called a Guden bond or something. That's right. Guden the Guden bond. bond. Yeah. It was wrapped in. Yeah. Yeah. That was delicious. So. That was the, my favorite beer of all time. Yeah. So let's taste this one now and see how okay. this one is compared. Busy. Oh, this is good. Oh, it's really good. Really good. Mm. I love it. It's like... <laughs> I say this a lot, but I think it, it is a little bit too cold to taste it because we just took it out of yeah. the fridge. Well, if you wait for it to cool down, it will be gone. Um, yeah, we're, we're like the we're like the uh, the worst sommeliers ever. Like, how do you find this wine? Mm, it's good. Yeah. This, is the, this is the goodest. It's even gooder than the last. Yeah, that's exactly... I would almost say great. It's exactly the same as like how we listening to us talk about Iron Maiden. This one's awesome. I know, I this know. one's also awesome. Oh, this song is great, too. This I song guess, is great. Remember Fry when he goes, Great is okay, but amazing would be great. <laughs> this beer is awesome. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's good. So this is the 1894 Oak and Hops. Cool. So it does have kind of a sour taste to it. So we're at the uh, seventh song. Before we dig back into it, anything else you want to cover? Uh, well, the tour. The tour is pretty awesome. Oh, one awesome. thing. Um, I've been watching a lot of those YouTube clips. Yes. And we both have that uh, full bootleg audio concert. So the Sweden show. Right. And I can't get over how good Bruce Dickinson sounds. Oh, it's amazing. Before. I think he sounds better than ever. I have some to... Uh, I was going to play this in another episode, but I'll play them now. I have three clips of Bruce's voice. One from 1985, one from 2002, and one from 2018. And I'm going to play them now and just listen to how his... I think his voice sounds even better now. So that's Bruce, 1985, from uh, Live After Death. And then this is the exact same part of the exact same song. There's no way it gets better than that. Is there, Nesbitt? <laughs> this is from Rock and Rio. This is the same part from the same song. So that's 2002, and now this is from, like, a few weeks ago. Wait, now, but there's no way it gets better than that. <laughs> I think this is even better, and I think this is the best I've heard him in a long time. I'm, since, like, I'm teeing you up, Nesbitt. <laughs> there's a few bootlegs that I have from the uh, uh, Beast on the Road tour, yep. where he sounds this good, but like he just sounds amazing. So yeah, that's from the Stockholm bootleg. That's amazing. And uh, 
60 years I know Adrian's uh, background vocals are really loud at the beginning of that, but if you listen to Bruce's, the way he's singing, like... 60 years old. Yeah, and he just sounds amazing. He's hitting, like, all the notes perfectly, like the album. He, like I, In Live After Death, he kind of changes the melody a bit to try to make it a little yeah. easier to sing. I know it was, like, a super grueling, grueling Live After Death with that Power Slave tour. It was, like, super World Slavery tour. Super grueling, and I know he was, like... His voice was, like, put through the ringer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that last clip, like, he just sounds better than ever. I cannot That's wait cool. for this concert. Yeah, so... Um... You know, I think we, uh, I saw an interview where, where I think it was Nico saying, well, if we become a parody or, you know, if we're, yep. if we're not keeping up, yep. then we're going to pack it in. I mean, you can't say that at all. I mean, we just uh, saw the Instagram, uh, Nico playing like crazy, Adrian's uh, wife's got him all over Instagram. You're watching his, his guitar playing is insane. All the live stuff we're seeing, Bruce clips like that, like they're on their game. Yeah. Oh man, I think you know this isn't a nostalgia up. podcast. This is a band that's absolutely relevant. Yep. that just has a huge yep. tenure. That's why I get me and you both kind of get frustrated yeah. when people are like, "Play the classics." They haven't had a good album since like yeah. Seventh Son, which we're about to talk if about. If they if they hadn't had a good album since then, I wouldn't be as big a fan as I am. And and I'm a guy who totally got in. You know, the best of the beasts. I listened to that. You know, yep. as I was starting out. But I mean, really, a matter of life and death and book of souls really kind of converted me later i mean back into it hardcore but it was a matter of life and death and then power slave and in that order like literally a matter of life and death it came out new and you made me play it and i was listening to like best of the beast and yeah and uh just you know a casual fan and yeah. and then i really got into it in the final frontier yeah. episodes i think i said if there's one thing that people get out of this podcast it's that they give these later maiden albums a chance because they're yeah. amazing but well, yeah they're not a nostalgia act and bruce i think has yeah. said that before in the interviews yeah and and you know what I mean, Dance of Death. I would have put it as a six out of ten until we reviewed it, and now it's an eight out of ten, eight and a half out of ten album yeah. for me. Yeah. Final Frontier. I argued with you at length. I didn't like aspects of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Satellite Fifteen, all that to start off. I never liked it. Didn't feel like Maiden to me at first, and now I've got all of that material, the, the vinyl and everything. I love it. And I listen to it like it's probably one of my most listened to now. It's, yeah, I, and you know, I just look at it and I think. Even though my tenure is not the same as other people, people who only listen to early albums could figure out and, and fall in love with Final Frontier like I did just this year. Yeah. Even though I, I thought it was a good album, you were always on me about Talisman, and I always listened to that and I loved it. There was I always looked at it as like yeah. the same way I look at Virtual Eleven now, which is like two or three or good good tracks. That's the way I looked at Final Frontier. Final Frontier is an amazing album, and I've been listening to Virtual Eleven. There's a lot better stuff on there. Yeah. It's not. A total waste at yeah. all. Yeah. And when we when we review it, and yeah. you make sure that you do your sales job on yeah. the clips, <laughs> it'll be even better again. But the point is, is yeah, they're relevant and they're awesome. And we get to review now my favorite album. Yep. So Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, yes. part two. Yes. Concept album. We talked a bit, little yes. bit of, about it last episode. I just think it's not like a fully fleshed out concept album. Sometimes if you'll read interviews, they talk about how much of a concept album it is. Yep. Sometimes you'll read an interview and they say it's not. Like I have a Bruce Dickinson quote here. It says, uh, we almost did. It was ha half a concept album. There was no attempt to see it all the way through like we really should have done. Seventh Son has no story. It's about good and evil, heaven and hell. But isn't every Iron Maiden record? Ooh. Yeah. So, um, but before you get into that, like yep. before you delve, delve into that, yep. what is a concept album? Like what does it mean to be a full concept album? Does it mean that I think it's, every aspect around the album, plus all the lyrics, the sound, all fit some concept or 
you know, like I think you can have cohesive. like a full fledged concept album where the every single song, like the Wall by Pink Floyd, yeah, it tells a story. Every single lyric is part of the story, and like you know, the Wall is like there's no little songs that go off on the side tangent. No. It all ties in. The album art, everything. That to me is a full fledged, fully developed concept album. Seventh Son is sort of that. It's very mm-hmm. loose the themes. I would definitely call it a concept album. Like the it, the whole yeah. thing talks about the same. Does thing. it? Does it? I think so. Like the where wall, in the the wall has like that Nazi takeaway, but no, also... I'm talking about Seventh Son. Okay, Seventh Son. Oh, it all. Oh, are you talking about the wall? Yeah, the wall. You said the wall is a concept album, but I would yeah. say there's two diverging concepts in there, and one of it is is obviously the Nazi theme and all that kind of stuff. But then there's also like an underwriting theme about how you educate people. Yeah, but it tells a story. It's a story yeah. about one person. And these are all themes that kind of tie into it. Fair enough, fair enough. You know so what that, I mean? But yeah, it's definitely so cohesive. So there's an underlying cohesive yeah. story running through. Okay. And, and you can't bring other... And Seven Sun has that too. Yes. But it's really vague. Like you have to fill in a lot of the blanks yourself. Like you can read all the lyrics to Seven Sun. Yes. And you're still kind of trying to figure out what's happening and you're kind of making assumptions. Like I told you I read that book, The Seven Sun by Orson Scott Card. Yes. And it wasn't until then that it really like, to me, I kind of got a concept of like more what the album's about. Because there's a lot of like, like for example, I'll just go to Moonchild. So Moonchild. Moonchild we broke down the last last podcast, yeah. So, But I'm just talking about that as from far a as, concept from a concept yeah. Set perspective. Yeah. I kind of explained last time about the novel and how like... Uh, yeah, the interesting piece this, I took away from that was that you said like it was probably the the one that resonated most with the Seven Son book, uh, right. which Harris used as kind of a theme driver uh, for this album or a concept driver, yet he didn't get a writing credit, so it was like the rest of them kind of plucked it out. But basically, if you, if you go to the novel... Yeah. So there's like, I told you last episode I covered this, I'll just go briefly into it again, but it's like, uh, here are the birth from an unbroken line, and there's a yeah. whole part in there about the line not getting broken. One more dies, one more lives, one baby cries, one mother grieves, and like, one of the sons dies just after the seventh son's born. Yep. So the mother's grieving while the new son is born, and the part about the twins are in there and stuff. But I only know that because of reading this novel, that I kind of put that together. If you look at the lyrics to Moonchild, it's kind of vague. But I guess like any concept album, you kind of have to put the pieces together. Yeah. But I used to think that, based on the lyrics to Moonchild, I used to think that like... Because he says, I count the heads of those unborn. I used to think that there was twins. One of the twins dies and like... Because the twins are exhausted. Seven is the night. So I figured that... And when they talk about like one more dies, one more lives, one baby cries, one mother grieves... I thought that one of the twins dies, and the one that's born is the seventh son. So, like, the, I thought that there was like this battle, and like the that like Satan or evil or whatever actually killed killed the seventh son. But it turns out that it's twins, and like one comes out. That's what I used to always think. Oh, that's cool. But I don't think that after reading this novel now. Yeah, that's a cool interpretation. But I mean, the lyrics are very vague, and you can just kind of put it together. I used to think that the uh, that part about like eating the mandrake, like there's this traditional kind of like. In traditional, like, herbal medicine, like, from, like, the, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, the days of yore. <laughs> days of yore. Yesteryear. Yesteryear. Time, times gone by, Man- colonial times. Yeah, apparently mandrake root was, like, a herb that could bring on a miscarriage. Yeah. So that part where they're talking about the mandrake screaming, 
And well, then the, isn't yeah. there isn't there a, a modern movie with a mandrake root put in a put in a water under a bed and it like no screams idea. and does something? I don't know. I swear to God. Well, that they used happened. to say that mandrake was this magical like they used to say that you would die if you heard the mandrake mandrake root yeah. screaming, and when you pulled it up out of the ground, it used to scream because it's shaped like a man, like yeah. a human body. So they used to always like attach the mandrake to an animal, and then run away and let the animal pull out of the ground. That was like this old like wives' tale thing they used to do in. But uh, anyway, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you could take one way or the other. And I mean, the whole album is kind of like that. Like, it doesn't really spell anything out for you. It's just kind of throwing these themes out and these ideas. And you piece it together. And I mean, if you go online, you'll see forums of people arguing over, like, what this means and what that means. And is the first, is the whole album about the seventh son of the seventh son? Or is the first part of the album about the seventh son? And then... You know in The Evil That Men Do when he says, slept in the dust with his daughter, her eyes red with the slaughter of innocence? Yes. I used to think that the first part of the album up to then was with the seventh son. And then I thought that The Evil That Men Do was the seventh son impregnating someone. And that's where the seventh son of the seventh son came from. So I thought it would, like the album was in two parts. The first part being about the seventh son. The second part being about the seventh son of the seventh son. Yeah. Yeah, and then in The Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, when it says, Today is born the seventh one, born of woman the seventh son, all that part. So I thought that the mm. Seventh Son song was when the actual seventh son of the seventh son was born. But now after reading this novel, I'm not sure. And now I'm kind of thinking, uh, they just kind of like, like Bruce Dickinson said, they just kind of went off and wrote these songs that loosely fit into the theme. I have a quote here uh, from Bruce Dickinson. This is a bit of a long quote, so hopefully I won't like... Whenever I read these quotes, I always like try to rush through them and I end up like <laughs> butchering them. But uh, he says, this is a quote from Bruce Dickinson. I guess what I found strange is that we took the album to a certain point and that it never got developed any further. And in the same year, while we were in the midst of mixing or something, I heard some advanced tracks from Queensryche Operation Mind Crime and was blown away. And I remember thinking I was driving down a street through a park in Germany and I heard these four tracks from Mind Crime. And then I stopped the car and sat there with my head in my hands. And I thought, they'd made the album that we should have made. Seventh Son should be this and could be this, if only we'd forced it. If only we thought it through and sat down and planned it and discussed it. You just don't make a concept album like that in five minutes. You don't just loosely glue a few things together and say, okay, that's a concept album. So that was my feeling. I was proud of it, but there was always this thought. God damn it, artistically, we were in second place. Oh, so that's a pretty, uh, you know, it kind of explains how, you know, they, it's not a full on developed concept album, but I mean, I still say it's a concept album. Every single song has the same theme. It's all kind of talking about the same good and evil characters. I don't know. And the seventh son. So they don't all specifically tell like a linear story or anything but i mean it's a concept album if you ask me yeah i i I could agree with it i mean the seventh son of a seventh son you know i don't know how does that link to you know seven deadly sins is number seven is there a lot you know it's carried through it's their seventh studio album you could argue it's a bit forced but at the same time uh clairvoyant moonchild fit together the evil that men do son of a son son yep is in that is in only the good die young only the good die but only the good die young bookends that whole concept of the evil that men do right yeah and and so there's so many links in the album yeah that is it does it have to be like one narrative right or maybe it's like a seinfeld where the concept is there is no concept (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's definitely a concept. Oh, definitely a concept. It's one of their strongest concepts. It's definitely one of their strongest concepts. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot stronger. We broke down Power Slave, which, you know, we love. We're not going to knock Power Slave. But, right. I mean, one of the weak things is, like, you know, artwork. And then, like, I want to be a Power Slave. And Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Maiden albums where it's, like, is it a concept album? And it's, like, no, it's a one No, title song, track. A title track, yeah. matching cover art. And maybe one other reference. And the stage kind of pulls that in. So there's yeah. a concept, but it's not a concept album. Yeah. This is truly a concept album, though. Yeah. I think. Although, you know, that, that formula I like. I don't oh, yeah. necessarily want, you I'm know. I'm complaining. I just... like a war song in every album. Yeah. I don't want, like, an album of 12 war songs and no war songs. Yeah. Well, and the that's next a one's... matter of life and death. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a their war album. That is a war album. You know, we covered that. Although, you know, that, like... You could argue if you were to build the war album across, you'd, you'd have a different mix. Um, there's definitely uh, a lot going on. I'd have to say it is a concept album. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as it, clear as a maiden yeah. concept album gets. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's loosely based on the kind of concept of a Seventh Son and that odd novel, The Seventh Son, which I read last two weeks ago. <laughs> I know. He reads one book and he talks about it forever. <laughs> How do you find the beer? This beer is delicious. Well, we'll let's, let's get right into the songs because yeah. we've been talking. Yeah, we've been on been... these major tangents yes. for like the longest time now. Yeah. Can I play with madness? Oh, right. This so. is one of like well, these two songs. Can I play with madness? The men do are two of probably my favorite maiden songs. Oh, the, the reason I love Can I Play with Madness so much is just it sums up what's great about Maiden: the theme, the concept, that like the you know the sorcerer and the whole the lyrics. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really great. So this song uh, started as a ballad by Adrian called On the Wings of Eagles. And it was like an acoustic thing that he had working on. They kind of fleshed it out into the song. Steve Harris added that like time change part in the middle. You know yeah. where it breaks down yeah. and the timing changes. And then while they were like rehearsing it, Nick, Nico thought it was like way too radical. And he was like, there's no way that this is too crazy. But it's too crazy, kind of funny. Man, yeah, know, It's true. It's not the 70s anymore. People on Maiden Forums hate the song. Or think it's the worst song on the album. It, okay, this song like suffers... How am I going to expl- explain this? This suffers from like the same fate as Run to the Hills. Yeah. I'll call it like casual fans know this one, so I'm going to pretend yeah. I hate it syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> they say it doesn't. it's too happy, it doesn't fit the mood of the album, but I totally think it fits the mood of the album. Yeah, and what did I always yeah. say? It, it, when my nephew, I was trying to get into him, I played it for him. Yeah. Like I, I played it for a friend of mine the other day. Uh, she had, hadn't heard you Maiden. I put it, right. I put on this So song people think that's like, Maiden's yeah. our band. I don't want them to have a catchy song that people yeah. won't get it. But like, and those same people are like, oh, Dance of Death is not a Maiden. Those people yeah. can eat it. Right. Maiden snobs. They only like the rarities. Anything that's popular or the yeah. singles, they're like, oh, it's overplayed. I hate it. And like, you read reviews of this online and people are like ranking the songs and rating each song on this album. Mm. And they'll put the song as like, they're like, oh, this album's like a straight up, like all the songs are like nines and tens, except for Can It Play With Madness, like a five or six. Cause like, and I'm like, you're just being a maiden snob. Burf. They hate it because casual fans like it, right? Yeah. And they're like, my favorite maiden song is the alternate lyrics version of uh, Killers from the Reading Festival from 1980. And uh, the album version pales and I hate all these, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. It doesn't ha- like just because it's a hit single doesn't mean you have to hate it. Like, exactly. sorry, your band is like liked by other people. It's the, <laughs> the lyrics are like perfect. Yeah, it is for... super catchy. Which it I is love. super catchy. Like, listen and, to this. Yeah, go ahead. Can I play with madness? The harmonies. It's great. So great. And it's like I don't know. Like, what's to what's to dislike about that? 
Yeah. It's so awesome. Can I play with madness? The prophet stared at his crystal ball. Can I play with madness? There's no vision there at all. Can I play with madness? The prophet looked and he laughed at me. He said, Can I play with madness? He said, You're blind. You're blind to see. No. Like, how can you not like that? How can you not love that? <laughs> that, that, that clip is kind of good, though, is it? Mm, it almost yeah, looks like... You know, look, for me, it's this. You step back. Trooper absolutely fits the theme of Maiden. Run to the Hills is almost like kind of this political... You know, yeah. if you were to sum up what Maiden is for me, I, I would say like it's some medieval battle or some World War II fighter thing, or you know, you've got the concept of the sorcerer and the yeah. magic, the good and, and evil. Just, yeah. Yes, and the good and evil, which this album is all about. Yeah, um, which is hinted at in Power Slave, yeah, which comes big up themes, in themes, right? Like indeed, yeah. and like when when he like he says, "You want to know the truth." Your soul's gonna burn in a lake of fire. I know, I love it's it. got that, and you know, I brought that up as my favorite lyric, and I love it. But when I play that for like new people to Maiden, they get it. I don't go run, run to the hills. What's this about? Oh, you're coming to the new world. I mean, that's so political. It's garbage, right? Like run to the hills to introduce people. I'm not knocking the song. Yeah, I think song. It's, see the reason I picked yeah. Run to the Hills because it's their catchiest song. Oh, it's catchy. Yeah. it's catchy, and that's why I would. But you know what I think? Yeah. Like your soul's gonna burn in a lake of fire. Like I played that for my friend. They were like, they started yeah. laughing. I was like, that's the campy side of it. Like if you come at if you come at Maiden and you take this like this this either paternalistic or simplistic view, you can reduce Maiden down to this campy ridiculousness, which is which is I think what I suffer from with Kiss. But then yeah. with with uh, with Maiden, you know, there's this whole other layer, and it probably is the kiss. And I don't care. I don't. Your, yeah. sm- your smug smile right now. You can eat it. Don't even talk. Yeah. I'm well, on I'm... a roll. <laughs> Fuck off on kiss. We're not talking about it. But like, then you get into it, and it's all the metaphor and all that. Like, yeah, some of it is campy, but it also not everything has to be some decoded scroll Da Vinci Code crap. Like, there's something great about a theme that fits together, and I find this song is perfect for that. And it comes right before the evil the men do. Which yeah, I, love. I know back to back. It's yeah, great. and Infinite Dreams before yeah. it, and like this album is awesome. Yeah, it's a really good album. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, it's great. I think yeah. like part of it too, and uh, I'm just gonna go back for a second. Go ahead. Like the this song with the harmonies, the keyboards are really prominent, and I think like Maiden fans are kind of like they overdid it on the keyboards or whatever. Like uh, I have a clip here of the, uh, the just to show you like how prominent the keyboards are on this song. So I think they like the keyboards there are they're there when I yeah. when I bring them up out of the mix you can hear what's going on yeah but they sit in the mix so well that's, it almost yes. just has like texture to it and I don't know why I have to yes. like hate on keyboards being in Maiden but a lot of people do for yeah that's reason. where I would go and this with that. song particularly because this this is the song on the album well other than Seventh Son of the Seventh Son where the keyboards are like really prominent I think it's the keyboard the prominent keyboard mixed with the catchiness mixed with the harmonies. I think people think it's like 
almost like oh maiden are selling out trying to get a hit single because this was their most hit single at the time well that's probably why people hate it not the keyboards but okay so if you're gonna if you're gonna have a keyboard dominated a keyboard solo or like all you hear is the keyboard fair enough if you take the keyboards at a time where it's 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 you know it's happening in other music the guitar the vocals still off the charts there's so yeah. many solos on this album we can break down and you add that in as a richness of sound and it gives a flavor to the album I don't have yeah. a problem with that I'm not going around going yeah. like oh it would be great if there's no keyboard I mean who gives right. a crap it's 1988 yeah. and it, it fits we're yeah. 30 years later now yeah and the keyboards like they sit in the mix really well I think they're not beautifully they don't distract I think they're just yeah. like you said they add like texture or flavor Definitely. or whatever the guitars have that kind of process sound we're talking about last yes. episode um i've got a clip of the guitars just so you can hear how uh, processed they are they sound like guitars from somewhere in time Awesome. They're like yeah. playing a laser gun. I know, exactly. It's so deadly. It gives this and this whole album has that kind of feel. It's like that, like it's almost like somewhere in time has that space yeah. thing on the go. This one kind of has that same kind of sound to it. Like it's like really uh processed yeah. is the only way I can describe it. It's yeah. like processed, computerized, like futuristic sound to it. I don't know. Music snobs and music people in general are just so funny. Like there are people that you know wouldn't would have argued that electric guitar wasn't guitar. Like I mean, we you know you can you can take it all. I mean, you're trying to make these sounds and work with a degree of freedom. I mean, I guess people say if you have talent, but now so much is made on a computer nowadays. I mean, we're sitting yeah. here. I mean that that was an amazing composition where they added a layer on top of it. They ran the guitars through some interesting stuff, and you know now everything is like. You know, ns, 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 and layer it yeah. over, and it's all garbage. And yeah, no like I don't want to hear. No a, I was talking about T Swift yeah, and how much she's <laughs> she's using some. Like the last thing I want to hear is a like a a drum machine or like computers doing drums. It just like completely like I have a clip from this song actually of uh, I'll play it now of Nico some of his like guitar of his drum fills like yeah. a, you don't get this with a drum machine. Like you're not going to get that with the drum. Well, That's you amazing. know what? You probably can if you program it, whatever. But like, you're not going to have that same feel to it. That's to me, amazing. I don't know. Like anyone that doesn't like this song or they rate it like low, yeah. like this is in my top, definitely my top fifteen to ten Maiden songs. Oh man, it's yeah. the first song I play for people that I want to get them into Maiden. Yeah. And it's the only the the thing about it. If you want to get them into Maiden, it's it's just because of the theme, I think, is what really drives it for me. Because the, um, I don't know, like the other the other leading tracks we talked about, like I think we did it early on, 
what what are the songs you play for something you want to get them in? I mean, this just has it all. It's just yeah, so we did awesome. an episode on that. Yeah, like, the songs to get. Yeah. It's like one of our first episodes. Jeez, songs I that if you would pick play. this song. I'm I sure think we I, def- I, I can't remember. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I've been talking ago, about it forever, but I guarantee we did. Yeah. If you're trying to get a new person into it, this is like definitely going to hook people. It's so catchy. Yeah, actually, I take this whole album. This is my number one lead-in album. So I just like listen to this, right? And then I'm always like, play the first four songs. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, know, that's something that I used to say thought too. Yeah, you had to get some thought. I used to say Power Slave as well, but um, I don't know. Two minutes is is not as quick. our heads are like so buried so deep into like Maiden right now. I know that like it's hard for me to think of like what would yeah. what would appeal to someone that's never heard Maiden before because I know. I know all the songs so well. I'm trying to step back and think about it, but yeah. Anyway, anyway, well, yeah, <laughs> we need to get back to these songs because yes. we're gonna get through this. They made a video for the song. Graham Chapman from Monty Python was in it. This is the last thing he was in before he died. Really? Yep. It's like uh, it's on YouTube. It's pretty good. I saw in that same inter- interview with Erica M on Much Music, where our, uh, it's Dave Murray and Bruce Dickinson, and yeah. he, she asks them about the video, and they're like, "Yeah, we had nothing to do with the video." <laughs> no way. No. <laughs> they had nothing to do with it. So. Which one was Graham? Was he the guy who did the? Uh, I don't know. He, he was the about pirate Python, in the, in man. The I don't parody. like Monty Python. No. Well, that's a whole nother debate. We can't yeah. sidetrack now because we have to get in the albums. Okay. But I don't do find that? it funny. I get it, but I don't find yeah, it funny. You don't like humor, I guess. I, I don't know because I love I love kids in the hall and I love like Mr. Show and people say that that stuff's like based yeah. on. Where did they get that from? Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, but not only that, you know, what? you're going back to my Beatles argument where it's like I love the no, stuff that people no, say based on the same. Beatles. It's not the same. I don't find Monty Python. Meaning of Life, Life way. of Brian. Yeah. Even the Flying Surface. I've, circus seen, it, I've stuff. seen it all. I've seen it all many times. You've seen Holy Grail and I've you seen didn't it enjoy all many it. Times. You didn't enjoy Holy Grail. I give it a, a six out of ten. Did you watch it? I watched it like four times. You just read a book called Seventh Son by yeah. Orson Scott, and you enjoyed that. I'm telling you, you're trying. You're talking as if I don't get it. I don't get it. I get yeah. all the jokes. I just don't find it funny. Like if someone tells me a knock knock joke, like why the chicken cross the road to get to the other side, it's like okay, I get why you think that's funny because I was supposed to be expecting you to give me a real reason, but that's you know what I mean. I get the joke. I just don't find it funny, and that's what I find in Monty Python stuff. I, I'm not saying I don't find all of it funny. I find 20% of it funny. All the like uh, the flying circus sketches and stuff. Most of it, I'm like, I get it, but I just don't find it funny. It doesn't do it for me. The shrubber. I yeah, mean, you're, no, none of it. None. none of it. I know all the references you're making. I know all of them. No, I don't find them the funny. whole debate about government when he's he's like, Listen, I'm King Arthur. Let's like, get off of it. I I know. I know you don't get. The, you don't I've find seen that the funny. movie many times. I've watched it with people surrounded by people explaining everything like why don't you get fun i was like i get it i get it i just don't find it funny anyway let's get off the money okay. <laughs> oh man i don't know <laughs> if i can i don't know it doesn't do it for me i'm gonna get a lot of emails with that one probably too <laughs> you should you should the nesbit so, the nesbit who says knee go on so this was the first single released yes can i play with madness was the song the b-sides were blackbird blues and massacre yeah uh, Massacre, which is one of my favorite uh, Thin Lizzy songs from Johnny the Fox album, 1976. Love Massacre. Love. I actually know that album. Love Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Love. Uh, I don't know. Maiden doing Thin Lizzy is like my favorite band. Doing like one of my other yeah. favorite bands' favorite songs. <laughs> like from, it's I love the B sides on this. Black Bar Blues I could do without, but it's a joke song. 
Um, but one thing about it is the album cover. Uh, I have it right here. Hold on a second. So this is the 12-inch single of Can I Play With Madness. This is, I think when we did our album cover countdown, I said this is my number one favorite album cover by Iron Maiden. Yeah. I just love it. It's so crazy. It's like his head's cracked open like an egg. There's a spoon. There's a fist going through. He has like the electronic eye from somewhere in time. The little screws in his head from Peace of Mind. Yeah, that's that's what, that's what I don't get about it. Because it's like, it's so many references and throwbacks. But it ties in with the Seventh Son album cover so well. Which has the frozen in eddies. Yeah, and it has the whole, like, it's just so surreal. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just it, was it. It, Do you think perhaps that's that harkens back to the fact that maybe then they didn't see a, a large tenure coming? Like, they might have thought this could have been... No, um... Derek, I read that Derek Riggs book. Yeah. And he said that, like, he kind of started out drawing the Eddies and yeah. then the Killers and then, like, the the Beast. And then, so that's, like, the original Eddie. Then, like, they shaved his head, gave him yeah. a lobotomy for peace of mind. He died. Power Slave, he kind of gets reincarnated as, like, a, some sort of god or whatever. By the time they got to this album, he said he just, like, that he was kind of accumulating all the stuff that happened to him. Because you can see he has the somewhere in time eye, the yeah. electronic eye. And then he said, like, after this, they kind of forgot about this whole, like, continuity of stuff happening to Eddie. And it was just, like, one-offs then. But I, this album, like, when they were doing, we're going to do this next app. We'll talk about the album art probably next episode. Yeah, we'll get into that. Cause I but they just basically asked him for something really weird and surreal and out there. And so he just came up with all this crazy stuff, which I just love. And it all kind of fits together. You know what I mean? Like the, the album cover with like the flaming head and this is, I don't know. Yeah, it does. And it looks, it's, it's, it's cohesive. Yeah. I like it. F- uh, funny fact about this is it's not supposed to be on a blue background. No. Uh, Derek Riggs in his book, he says that it was on a gray background. And when they printed it, they added 32, 30% too much blue in the printing. So the colors are all off, which is weird because that's the same thing that happened with the Number of the Beast album cover. Remember? Yeah. So anyway, I love this single album cover. I think it's beautiful. I think it's really cool. It's just, I can just stare at it forever. It's really weird looking. And this is the one I used to draw in like all my textbooks when I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) So now the next song we're going to talk about is, I think, your favorite. I would probably say it is. And this is top three for me. Yeah. I mean, it's up there. It's so hard to pick a favorite song. I'm the same way. This is consistently since the beginning, right? And one of my favorites. I love it too. It's a. yeah, I love the uh, the guitar intro on this. Yeah. The guitar intro on this is very. Uh, it sounds like it could be on somewhere in time. So, yeah, that sounds like it could be right out of uh, Somewhere in Time to me. One thing about the song is it has one of my favorite parts of Maiden lyrics, or Maiden singing. And every time I think of this, I think of me and you when we see Maiden. Every time that Bruce sings this part, me and you lose. This is like the peak of me and you losing our minds at the concert. Like, it's, we're all in like this. We're all just, like, rocking out, and we're screaming all the lyrics. But when this part comes, like, we both lose it. 
just <laughs> love that part. And we, <laughs> I remember when we saw Maiden, uh, I can't remember which one it was at, but I yeah. remember Bruce, we were both screaming the song. Oh my God. And when that song, when that part of that song came on, we both turned to each other and like grabbed each other and started like screaming <laughs> in each other's faces, don't you cry for me. Oh, it's I love the best. That. Yeah. <laughs> the harmonies is so great. Yeah, everything yeah. about this song is amazing. Yeah. I just, I think it's perfect, Maiden. Yeah. Great, it's lyrics. perfect. Yeah, uh, it's, Adrian's got a solo in it. I love, yeah. I love the, the beginning. Love is a razor, and I walk the line on that silver blade. Yeah, slept in the dust with his daughter. Her eyes red with the slaughter of innocence. But I will pray for her. I will call her name out loud. I would bleed for her if only I could see her now. Like that's amazing. And then the evil that men do, and the vocals, yeah, like the evil, unreal. Yeah. It's know, like the it's so perfect. Great. Iron Maiden song. Yeah. I just love it. It's yeah. It's got a really great solo. I'll yeah. play the solo uh, now. And then there's something else I want to talk about this song. Like you said, like you said it a minute ago, like Adrian solo, and this is like mm. knocks it out. You know when I always say a really good guitar solo is one that like it really fits the feel and the mood of the yeah, song. It adds to the song. Yeah, it just it's not like takes let's the step song, back. Yeah, and it takes just the do song something. up a level. Yeah, this song does it. The reason that the song I think is so good and that me and you love it so much, it's like they do this in a lot of Maiden songs, and this I think is like the pinnacle of it happening in Maiden songs, which is. They have this like build up and the pre-course of this, like the living on a razor's edge, bouncing on a ledge, it's like this build up and like they they build tension and they build tension and this tension builds up, tension builds up, and then when the course hits, they just like relieve that tension. Yeah. And like they do it a lot, like uh in Aces High it's the running, scrambling, flying, rolling, turning, diving, you know that doing yeah. again. And then they finally get to the course and it's like they deliver up when the course comes, it like relieves it. And two minutes to midnight is that I go to war again. Blood is freedom stained. Don't you pray for my soul anymore? Yeah. And that kind of like builds. And it's like, you know what I mean? There's like tension there. And then when the course comes, boom. And Icarus, like his eyes are ablaze. See the madman and his gaze. Yeah. And then, bang, the course comes in. And yeah, it's just like... Throw, it's, you have to throw like Icarus they, in. They build tension. Yeah. And then they deliver. And this song, I think they do that better than like... Oh, man. Anyone that I can think of like offhand... Like, yeah. it's like build, 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 and then boom, the chorus gets to deliver a sense of this, like, release of, I don't know, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it, the whole theme, too, the evil that men do live on, yeah. it's just such a, uh, you know, a commentary yeah. on it all. Yeah. And it's a bit, it's a bit, you know, like what some people could say, well, what are you advocating for this stuff? And it fits to the whole fine yeah, it's line like a, that Maiden walks what, between. What Shakespeare plays that from? Is it like Julius Caesar or Not something sure. like that? There's like something about, like, the good that men do is in teared with their bones but the evil that men do lives on or was something. that shakespeare yeah it's a sh- i can't remember which place from really it's a shakespeare quote that's kind of inspired by oh i would have taken it from a uh, if you would asked me i would have taken it from a reference that there was a, a couple of philosophers that basically said the world will always know hitler's name and yeah, it was like basically a, no, a negative like, reflection on yeah. humanity about how we remember the yeah. no this is like paraphrased from like a shakespeare play oh i did know yeah. that um you learn something the every other day. thing about the song the Maiden Gallop. Oh, it's yeah. It's like the Pure Maiden Gallop. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a cla- Like, this is a classic. And it's any a classic. time you put yeah. together 
a best of Maiden. Yeah, it has to be on there. I feel like you got. Well, it's it, look, look. Every tour is going to have it, you know, of, of certain significance is, is going to have it, as much as they can. So this was also a single. Yeah. Uh, this is the twelve inch single right here. It's uh, another really like surreal. It kind of fits in with like seventh song, like the, all the album covers we've been looking at. They kind of all fit in. They have that like blue and white gradient. And then you just have like this weird Eddie made of smoke. There's a guy yeah. who's like imprisoned in his mouth. And there's a devil with a contract. I guess the evil that men do. Snakes, lightning. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. I really like all the Seventh Son themed art that they have. Yeah. I just, it's some of my favorite album covers. Um, Derek Riggs' book, he said he did this. He got the call to do this. He did this in one night, this album cover. <laughs> Yeah. Typical Maiden rushed, right? So Yeah, that's the downside because the first thing I was gonna say is like none of that really you know, harkens back to the lyrics or the theme yeah. of the song. The devil in the contract. Yeah, well you just kinda of whipped it together. But yeah. I mean it is it's cool. It's fits the other ones where it's really weird, like the can I play with madness? It, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a bunch of it's an Eddie, but it's very strange. So I like it. Yeah. The uh the B side for the single Prowler 88 and Charlotte the Harlot 88, mm. which we have an episode planned coming up where we're going to do the other half of that B-Sides album. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into that. We'll get into reviewing those when we do the B-Sides. But uh, I'll just say these 88 versions, are they're, they're okay as like, I don't know, curiosities or, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, we don't need to be rewriting history and re-recording like classic Diano era songs. Yeah, but that's Charlotte Harlot. That was a is that a studio Bruce? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we don't but I'm like, we don't need that. If you want Bruce singing the old songs, Beast Over Hammersmith, Killers Another Life, Murders in Rue Morgue, Wrathchild, Fen in the Upper, Running Free, Drifter, Prowler, Iron Maiden Sanctuary. Like you have all those songs by Bruce live. Yeah. I don't think we need to be having studio versions of this. Debate for another day, yeah. perhaps. Anyway, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But uh cool album cover, awesome song. Track number four, or like, think about it. We're only like track number four into an album, yeah. And like, we've already covered this many classics, it's just great, yeah. But we've done a lot on the album theme itself, that's true. Well, the next song fits like complete, like the title track. The next song, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, completely fits into the theme of the album. Uh, this might be, do you think this is Maiden's most epic track? I mean, you got Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, what else? Power Slave, Talisman, Alexander the Great, Sign of the Cross. But this one, man, like it, it just goes and goes. It goes. And the theme is so deep. Yeah, it's deadly. It's the, it's the epic track on the album. Um, not my favorite track on the album. Not your favorite? No. Okay. No, it's not my, my favorite my either, but it's a really good track. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of repetitive nature to the track, which I don't like. See, I don't see yeah. that there's a lot of repetitiveness to it because... Yeah. It kind of goes through its first yeah. part, and then it kind of breaks down in the middle yeah. to like a spoken word part. I like know Rhyme this of the like Ancient... monologue yeah. thing, yeah. Kind of like Rhyme of the Ancient yeah. Mariner does, but unlike Rhyme, it's not just an interlude. It like it's like this midpoint, and then it goes off on this other part, and it never comes back. It just goes off yeah. into guitar solos and like instrumental, and never comes back after that monologue. Yeah. Whereas in Rhyme, that's kind of like a, a lull, and then it goes right back into the song again. Yeah. So yeah, they have that like spoken word part, and that spoken word part's pretty cool. It really sums up like the theme and the story of the album. Today is born the seventh one, born of woman the seventh son, and he in turn of a seventh son. He has the power to heal, 
He has the gift of the second sight. He is the chosen one. So it shall be written. So it shall be done. So yeah, and then it comes out of that. It goes right into this like big, long, instrumental part. The last half of the song. And uh, the drumming, Nico's drumming's great. Steve's bass playing is great. The way that Nico and Steve like play together, like they're so the way the rhythm section like locks in together, it, they're like super tight on the song. And I love how Nico and Steve they have this like groove on the go. I've got a uh, a clip of that too. Listen to this. So, yeah, they just lock into this groove and they just play great together. Um, there's, in the, Speaking of Nico's drumming, like in the outro at the very end of the song, Nico's drumming is just like, uh, he puts these like fills in there that are really subtle. And uh, this, Nico's drumming on this whole album. I say this on every album. <laughs> yeah. Nico's just a great drummer. And yeah. like if you pick apart his drumming, you always hear, if you really pay attention, you hear all these really cool things that he's doing. That just like they're there in all the songs, and when you hear them, they just like blow your mind. You know, I look forward to the drumming episode where we break this down because there's always seems to be a, a belief that there was a step down with Nico from Bert, and that's never really. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I felt that from a lot, but like yeah, you hear my that? perspective, I think that's a maiden I, snobs thing. Yeah, but my yeah. perspective, I'm with you. I, I, I'm a Nico all the way guy. Yeah, but, listen to these fills. Yeah. pretty cool eh? that's epic yeah. yeah he's amazing he's amazing yeah. yeah um yeah i gotta say it's pretty impressive huge strength in this track vocals oh yeah i know yeah. you love the vocals and the vocals I, on that's all i listen to yeah. so super strong and super powerful vocals mm. on this from yeah uh one thing with the song when you bring up vocals i said this uh on Moonchild. he has that like hint of graveliness so he puts that yeah. like I don't know raspiness to is his it, voice. A vocal fry, perhaps. Uh, I'm not sure, but he puts in this like, yeah, it's like this raspiness, and he, he does just enough to kind of give it some feeling, but he doesn't overdo it like he does on the next album that comes after this, No Prayer. It's just enough to make it kind of expressive, and uh, I have a clip of vo- Bruce's vocals here. Both of them trying to manipulate the use of his powers before it's too late. Oh. 
That's awesome. Yeah, the way he holds that note is just, yeah, that's great. He's Classic Bruce. Classic. And some, would you say the guitar solos on this song? Maybe some of the best guitar playing on the Iron Maiden catalog? No, that's too bold you to don't claim. Think? That was too bold to claim. You don't think? Unless you have a clip to prove me. I have a, inter- I have a cl- uh, quote here from Dave Murray. Yeah. So Dave Murray, you know how he's known for? He does these kind of improvised, really smooth, legato, run yeah. solos or whatever. He says uh, in this Guitar World magazine interview, he says, On our first few albums, I used to just go in and knock off most of the solos from top of my head by listening to the chord pattern. I would have a place where I started and a place where I finished, and I would just sort of go for it in the middle. Just wander around a bit and see what came out. But on Seventh Son, I actually worked out all my solos before I went into the studio. I was trying to get more of a melodic aspect to my solos instead of just ripping them out. So, yeah, I used to always say, like, Dave Murray has the improvised part, and Adrian has, like, the planned out and melodic part. Yeah. But in this album, Dave Murray has, like, he really planned out his solos. Yeah, isolated like awesome. that. Yeah, you yeah. can really hear it, right? You don't even realize how good it is till you hear it like that. Yeah, and it's one of those solos too, where like Dave Murray starts and then Adrian comes in and finishes yeah. off the solo with this cool like riff in between. Uh, and this is one of the ones where like when Adrian's solo comes in, his is more improvised. It sounds like it, you know it starts out. He hits this like he does a like whammy bar thing with this like yeah. harmonic, and then like. Yeah. I don't know it's it's weird like they reverse roles on the song because normally Adrian plays the planned out part. That's right. And then Dave comes in with like a improvised thing. So uh, I have yep. Adrian solo here if you want to hear. Play it. two solos together i think these are amazing solos oh they're great all right you yeah. won me over it's in <laughs> it's in the top of the catalog yeah and you can't talk about this song where they're talking about keyboards uh i think there's more keyboards on this than any other maiden track probably yeah so michael kenny right he said he didn't play on the album he plays it live but he said he helped uh program the keyboards for this album mm-hmm. and uh he said steve harris played most of the keyboards on this track so he used this, it's called an Emu Emulator 3, or like an E3 keyboard, and he used choir samples. So I have a, a quote from Michael Kenny. He says, uh, back in the Seven Sun days, I relied on an Emulator 3 set of choir samples for the middle of that song. Um, this is a long quote. I'll just sum it up. He said, basically, he had something happen where, his, where it crashed and he lost his samples. And he had to, uh, during the show, before they were playing Seven Sun, he said he had to load in 12 floppy disks to, to load the samples for the choir samples. Back. No way. And it, you can hear how the synthesizers on the song, they really does sound like a choir because it's like a human voice sample that, that he's playing, but they're like playing it as a, a, a keyboard. This song kind of has that part in the middle where it sounds really like ominous and like kind of creepy sounding. 
And uh, it really fits like the mood and the theme of the album. And a lot of it has to do with like the, the sound of these like choir samples on the keyboards. Um, just listen to this. keyboard but it makes sense that the keyboard was playing the sound but I mean I always thought that that was like background vocals So this is, uh, when they play this live, we mentioned this a bit last episode, but Michael Kenny, Steve Harris's bass tech, comes up as the Count, and he's like behind this big organ, and he plays this part, and they did it when I saw him live. Um, yeah, he's got this, like, look up it up on look it up on YouTube, like any live Seventh Son concert footage, and you'll see him. Um, but yeah, he says he didn't play on the album, he only plays it live, so I said, I had a quote earlier where they said, like, anyone with a spare finger... But I think this was Steve Harris because it's pretty simple what he's playing. It's just like yeah. it's not really intricate. It's just kind of like texture to add yeah. texture. To it's the like song. hit a button for a drum solo. No, he's playing notes, but I think it's like one or two or three finger, like dan 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 dan. Okay, you know what I mean. It's not like he's playing these like crazy piano. It's not leads. fully pre pre recorded. Yeah. yeah, no, Even he's playing live. it live. It's like playing keyboards, but it's not anything too complicated. Okay. So yeah, Steve Harris and I think Adrian handled all that on the recording. So, anyway, it's great. This song live is amazing. And I have one last clip for this. <laughs> Everyone's sick of hearing these clips, but I have no a clip. No one's sick of the clips. Okay. I have a clip of this. This is from Nürburgring, Nürburgring, Germany, June 5th, 2014. Just to show you how great this song is live, I have a clip of Bruce singing a part of this song. Oh, 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 oh,
Awesome. Oh, man. Bruce. He's a machine, man. He's fucking awesome. Man. You were like, before, you are like, oh, uh, another clip. I'm like, can you imagine people are listening to this going like, no, no no more Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) Can you guys get back to the beer, please? I have a feeling like people can listen to us talking. Like, talking about Maiden. I know it's called Talking Maiden. And we talk about Maiden. But when we're specifically talking about parts in a song... It really helps to hear the song, oh, the part. You know what I mean? There's so many times when we play a clip where I just want to keep hearing it. I know. And there's yeah. so many times where I'm like, man, we should actually have the track on our earphones yeah. or something like <laughs> when, when we're recording. Just because, you know, sometimes you, you go to listen to it and you're like, you go to explain the song and you're just like, oh, you just, you know, you, you, you can feel it and you just yeah. want to lean into it. Yeah. And we're, look, we, we do this because we love me. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if people don't have the albums and they're hearing these clips and they probably want to hear the little songs, go buy the albums. Go buy the albums. Go <laughs> yeah. buy the albums. And also, yeah. we like beer. How do you find yeah. the beer? This beer, this 1894, was really, really good. 1894. Yeah. It was sour, but sometimes they get turned off by sour beers. But where this is a sour blended with like a triple, yeah, it's really well balanced. It, oh, it's amazing. It's a fantastic really beer. It had a great aftertaste. Yes, but I'm starting to think we like all beer. Well, I'm, we're picking good ones. We're not picking like yeah, that's, crappy beers. That's a good point. <laughs> next, next week, next Budweiser. Podcast, <laughs> Budweiser. Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, next podcast. So we better wrap it up there. Um, we got three more tracks, and we got a few more things to talk about the album. This yeah. is definitely a three-parter. Yeah. Although we got to cover some stuff. Yeah. Uh, besides, just we always get off on tangents, and everything takes yeah. longer than we thought. But you got that's to. why it's called Talking Maiden because we talked yeah. about Maiden. You know. Yeah. What, yeah. It's not called. <laughs> concise podcast yeah, of the called, beast yeah <laughs> yeah the linear podcast of the beast yeah listen you open a craft for craft beers talk about maiden whatever comes out comes out it takes yeah, as long it. as it takes to talk about whatever so. <laughs> it takes what it takes yeah. It. yeah that's it talkingmaiden.com if you have any comments questions or concerns send us an email yeah and uh like us on itunes and if you have an extra 30 seconds leave a review on itunes I love getting these reviews on iTunes and getting five-star reviews on iTunes because yeah. I really want us to show up first when you search for Iron Maiden in the podcast. Yeah. And we, every now and then, we'll, like, climb up and we'll be in, like, well, we're at fourth or fifth. Yeah. There's a couple of other Iron Maiden. Yeah, well, they, the, the, the search engine optimization for iTunes is all focused on the name, right? Right. So if we were talking Iron Maiden, we'd be crushing it already. Right. But, but we're, we're first about. everywhere else except for on iTunes because yeah. there's an Iron Maiden podcast. It just bothers me that there's two other yeah. Iron Maiden podcasts that yeah, are like five they're years default. old. They're default. They have like yeah. they half a dozen episodes each. Yeah. And they haven't been updated in like five years. Yeah, but because they have the words Iron and Maiden in the title, they show up ahead of yeah. us. So but we're climbing up. But so we just need a few more reviews. Yeah. Review the shit out of us. Yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> Do it. All right. Up the irons. Down the hops. There you go.